Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today we have a really special guest all the way from Seattle, the city where they make hot dogs, grilled onions, and cream cheese for a late night snack. It's really good, by the way. Her name is <laughs> Rochelle Short, and we're excited to have her on the show. Rochelle, how's it going? It's I'm going well. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. And hi, Jasper. Hey, Rochelle. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you guys? You guys are both well, and I'm here in Seattle, and yes, those cream cheese dogs are very unique to our area, so thank you for bringing them up. Of course. I, I've gotten them many a times. One of my buddies used to work at Microsoft for a few years, so we used to come up there and rock those out at 2.30 in the morning. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah we call it street meat. <laughs> I have heard that before. Okay, so Rochelle, uh, before we jump into the Airbnb goodies, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, well, I live in the heart of Seattle next to downtown. I'm a few blocks away from the Amazon campus, which is really big here. And I'm about a 20-minute walk to Pike Place Market and about the same on the bus to the Space Needle. So I have a great setup here in the heart of the city. And um, personally, I'm a copywriter and author and I do social media. So I'm a freelancer who works from home. So the Airbnb setup has been really great for my lifestyle. And you said you, you've written a book, is that right? Yeah, it just came out in early July. It's called Letting People In, and it's basically um, about a novella-length story about my first year as a host on Airbnb and some of the people I met. That's oh, really cool. That's, that's cool. And um, I, I had a quick look at your listings, and the first thing I noticed is you have five stars on all categories. Yeah. So, for both listings. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I don't even, I don't pay attention to the stars as much. I heard uh, you and Shara uh, talking about them in one of your recent podcasts, and yeah. and I, I don't notice them, and I was like, wow, I should actually kind of pay attention to that. But yeah, thankfully, they're they're pretty good, and I'm I'm honored. So. so, so my first question would be like, how much did you have to pay Airbnb to get those? Oh, yes. Uh, I have a little back-end deal. I told them if I write the book, they'd give me the five stars, so it worked out well. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, you know, I don't notice. I tend to give my guests five stars unless they're like really egregious but I've never had any horrible guests that would warrant you know less than five stars so I guess people have had the same experience with me so it's kind of cool right. and and that leads me into another question um, you know a lot of hosts are apprehensive about having random people from the internet staying at the house do you have those worries as well or no I definitely did because um, I was a single woman living alone in a big house. Um, and so I think my, my primary fear was strange men. Uh, and, and it was kind of funny because I talk about it in the book. But my second guest was this big, burly German guy. And I was just kind of over 
overwhelmed because you can't quite tell in a picture, you know, how big people are going to be. And then when they actually show up, you're a little bit like, whoa, he's over six feet tall and he's really stocky. And, you know, so it's like they're in your personal space. And so you just kind of never know. But I really, I trust the Airbnb vetting process. And um, I've never, ever, ever had a bad experience. But I also put uh, security measures in place in my house. So like all of the doors lock on all my bedrooms and, um, you know, so I, and I try to keep, you know, like mace at hand or something if there was ever an issue, but I've never for even a minute felt any kind of degree of threat from my guests. So that was certainly a worry in the beginning, but it was quickly dissipated once I kind of jumped in and started hosting. And just to, um, to be clear, you have, you have two rooms in your house that you rent out, right? Correct. Yes. I have a three bedroom, three bath townhouse. So um, two of the rooms and two of the bathrooms are listed on Airbnb. Both, both rooms come with their, you know, their private bathroom. Okay. And do you interact a lot with your guests? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's kind of, I, I try to sense out if they are interested in the interaction or not. Um, and some people tell me up front, like, hey, you know, I just, I'm going to be there for business. I kind of want to be left alone. Or I got an email the other day from a, a woman traveling with her husband and they're coming in a few months. And she's like, hey, you know, this is our first time using the site, but just to let you know, we're not super social people. So we realize we might have to interact with you, but we're not comfortable with it. So so it's kind of about a communication thing. It's nice if people can be upfront, or I just try to sense out in the beginning. Some people are really friendly and have a lot of personality and they want to engage and they want to invite you out for drinks or they want to sit and have a drink or they don't. And they just kind of want to go to their room and be left alone. So I try to kind of gauge that when I meet them and, and act accordingly. And so it, it's always worked out really well. Now, when your guests arrive at your place, are you usually there to personally check them in and show them around or is it done by a third party? I'm actually, I'm often here because I'm working, but sometimes I'll be working upstairs on my fourth floor and they cr there could be somebody on my ground floor and I have a key coded entry. So they are allowed to come and go as they please. So um, it's worked out really, really well that I don't ever have to meet somebody for keys. They can just get their own dedicated code at the front door. And um, usually we prearrange check-in. My check-in is 3 p.m., but sometimes people are like, hey, my flight's landing at 11.30. Can I come earlier? And then I'm like, yeah, no problem. I just set the room up beforehand. And then they code their way in. And sometimes I'll be here working. And then I'll come downstairs to my kitchen and be like, oh, hi. You know? So it's just kind of like there's a lot of autonomy with that uh, key code that they can come and go when they feel like it. That's cool. So with your key code, is this through an intercom, intercom system or have you installed a keyless entry touchpad? Yes, I've done the touchpad. It's a Schlage, um, like $120 key code box. You can get it at a big box department store or on Amazon and it's truly been a lifesaver. If I have one tip for new hosts, posts. If you can use them, do it. You know, if you're using like a house situation, you can't do it in a big building or a condo building, obviously. Um, but for a, a home or a private residence, it's a lifesaver, both for yourself, for your own time and for guests. Absolutely. We actually just created a video and launched a video on keyless entries. And I talk about the Schlage BE365, which is a really great model. Uh, it, it got amazing reviews and consumer reports. So we definitely recommend installing one of these systems for everybody because not only, that, like you said, it's really easy and convenient, but then it gets rid of the need for any sort of keys or losing keys mm -hmm. and all that. And then uh, Jasper made a really good point the other day. If somebody does lose a key, you don't have to worry about, you know, in that case, you have to change the locks. That one cost alone, one time changing the lock is probably about as expensive as one of these exactly. systems. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's the best thing ever. I highly, highly endorse it. <laughs> and the and the other thing is, you know, sometimes keys and, and locks are a little bit difficult. Like for example, in my home, it's it's not too hard, but one time some of my guests i think they probably went out and were probably a little bit drunk when they got back mm -hmm. but they didn't manage to open the door so mm -hmm. they tried for a while and you know it's like 2 a.m at night and you know what are they going to do so they ended yeah. up checking into a hotel and yeah. um even though there wasn't really anything wrong with the lock i i, I still felt inclined to sort of reimburse them for for the expenses so just mm -hmm. that one night in the hotel that i had to reimburse is is probably you know more than buying like an electronic block yeah and yeah. that's that's really rare because most people when they go to amsterdam it's a cultural experience they see museums so every now and then he'll get guests that actually drink and party <laughs> <laughs> imagine that i've done the same thing in amsterdam so i i endorse that as well <laughs> oh my god i love it those brown bars they get me every time till 4 a.m so <laughs> yeah. horrible horrible <laughs> so you talked a little bit about uh ha maybe having a, a, a bit of nervousness initially when mm -hmm. hosting for the random creepy guys that would come through. What is, so on the flip side, what's a really cool experience or a set of experiences that you've had with some of your guests? Uh, I've had a, just numerous wonderful experiences. I definitely have had more great than bad. Um, I think the the best thing overall is that it's allowed me to meet people I wouldn't have met otherwise. Even as a traveler and somebody who likes being out in the world, I think there's something about people coming into my house and sitting in front of the fireplace or sitting around the dining room table and sharing a glass of wine or sharing a beer where it's like you're in a home space versus a bar setting where you're meeting strangers and you're kind of like, hey, am I going to ever see this person again? So it's like they come into my house house. They're here from anywhere from, you know, three days to a week to a month to the most I've had is like three months. And um, so you get to know people better. And I think I've now made friends around the world. So I have invitations to stay all over America and, you know, other continents because I've had people here. So I think overall that's been the best aspect is those friendships and that kind of expansion of community. Um, and I've also gotten to see more of my own city and kind of appreciate that. I've lived in Seattle since 1989 and I thought I knew it well, but now when my guests come, they offer me a fresh perspective on my own city. And then that in turn makes me a better host for future guests. That's really cool. Now, with you mentioned you had a guest stay with you for three months. How does that compare when you have, uh, it's almost a borderline fixed term lease, how does that compare when you have your typical guests who are in and out maybe within a week? It's it's more it feels more like a roommate situation and I personally have never had roommates before this Airbnb setup. I've always lived alone. So that's kind of what attracted me to the Airbnb model was I liked more of that transient nature of people staying for a short time versus, you know, signing on a, a one year lease with a roommate that I might grow tired of or, you know, have trouble with. Um so or paying the bills or, you know, dealing with their mess in the fridge, in the kitchen. So uh the the three month guests have felt more of that kind of roommate feeling where you just get to know each other and then maybe it's just like a little bit more casual but I think people are kind of a little more on guard for those three and four day or one week stays where they're very mindful you know they don't want to mess anything up you know they're kind of walking on eggshells a little bit more so it's just a, a bit of a different comfort you know comfortability level as people get more comfortable feeling like it's their home too so I'd, I'd say that's the difference but it's been great you know I haven't had anybody I've grown tired of or been annoyed with in that way. 
And Rochelle, I'm just reading some of the reviews that you, you got from your guests, and you must be doing something really well because, you know, I'm pretty impressed with what I'm seeing. You know, one guest says she remains the best hostess I've encountered on Airbnb. The cleanliness is top-notch, and her friendliness is unsurpassed. I, I would really like to ask you, can you give us a little bit of insight into how you create this, these great guest experiences? I think uh, part of it, I think, is just personality. I think some of some people, like myself, you know, we just we like being out in the world and we like engaging with people. And I think that comes across when they come into my house. And it's not an act, you know, it's just a very natural thing. And I think I love how people like the cleanliness of my home because I used to clean houses with my mom when I was a teenager. So I have a little bit of a professional cleaning background and I kind of have that, you know, my branding for everything is type A Seattle. So I, I like the attention to detail. So I appreciate that people value that cleanliness, but also so they enjoy me as a person and I in turn enjoy them. So it's just a very natural kind of experience for everybody. And then I'm, of course, delighted when I read their reviews that they had a good time and they liked me. But it's it's not like a put on thing. Like I'm not trying hard to be this way. It's just kind of my level of, you know, service in terms of cleanliness or acting like a concierge uh, for their experience while they're in town. And these are just things I'm happy to do. And then I get the reward in turn of when I go stay with them, you know, they, they act as my host or it's just kind of good karma, I think, to have out right. in the world. So it seems like you're just really enjoying the experience of having people in your house and, you know, showing them your, your neighborhood and, and giving recommendations and uh, just the whole sort of process of hosting people, but is there anything that you can research or something, or is there anything you did to sort of create the the knowledge, or you know, to to create this experience, or or is it just all by being like natural and being a good house? There, there was a little bit I did early on. I put my listing on online two months before I actually opened my doors. So I put the listing online in February of 2013, and then I, I accepted my first guest uh, like April 2nd, 2013. So I looked, Airbnb does offer uh, hospitality videos and tips. So I did review those because I've never worked in a hotel. You know, I'm a traveler and I know what I like in a hotel experience, but I think those videos online were helpful just to see like, oh, here's a guy in India that's writing, you know, a handwritten card and leaving things for his guests on the table and, you know, just anything, anything you can do to go above and beyond. I've implemented some of those things. Like I like doing flower arrangements. So sometimes I'll do fresh flowers in the room or I always leave bottles of water and chocolates. And so I try to kind of think of what's a hotel experience that I enjoy when I travel. And then by reading those tips or just kind of knowing my inherent personal tendencies, I try to extend that to my guests. So it's just kind of, it's a mix of both my inner wishes and wants, as well as helping, you know, like the tutorials online, studying a little bit of what works in hospitality. Do you ever cook meals for your guests and have <laughs> a family get together type of thing? <laughs> Uh, I don't cook the meals, but certainly people offer to cook for me, and we do have those family meal experiences. I'm I'm more of a cocktail uh, and coffee drinker, so I'm kind of the beverage queen, and so I'm happy to offer bottles of wine and you know bust into the liquor cabinet. Um, but my guests from all over 
pretty much typically it's European guests. My Belgian, my German, and my French guests love to cook in my kitchen and offer to cook me meals. And it just it's I think it's more of the common traditions of those countries too. People are used to making homemade meals together and having friends over. And I think I've not seen it as much with some of my American visitors. Like they tend to be the people to invite me out to go on the town for drinks, but it's not so much of that like inner at the dining room or in the kitchen experience. So, but certainly we do, we do do that a lot. I see. Cool. And you've had no Dutch people, just other European people. No, no Dutch people. I've traveled to Amsterdam, but I have not had any recently. So you guys are welcome to come up anytime. Well, I'm not Dutch, but Jasper. I know you're not, but Jasper is. Yeah. He actually hates Dutch people, but I think he's just jealous. It's a combination of jealousy and hatred all intermingled (laughs) into one super hate ball. (laughs) But But still, you guys work together. (laughs) (laughs) I guess um, it's, it's interesting what you say about the differences between having American guests and Europeans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you would, if you were to install a microwave in your kitchen, I think a lot of more of your American guests would actually cook. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And I, you know, I don't use a microwave personally, but I did have to go out and buy one for my listing because, yeah, that I definitely. It's just funny those little cultural nuances you start to notice. I had 122 people in my house the first year, so you start to kind of notice trends of like, oh, these these are what my European guests or these are, you know, I've I've had a like. Asian guests, not so much, but a lot of Californians and a lot of, it's kind of like an equal mix, I would say, of European and American guests. Right. And it's, it's you know, I was obviously joking about the microwave, but. Of course, it's, of course. It's, it's interesting <laughs> that, um, you know, like there, there's some things that you don't really think about that your guests might want to use, you know, because you're, you don't use it yourself. Like, for example, mm-hmm. I never used to make tea. So. At some point, I had some English guests over, and they asked me, like, hey, how do we make tea? Do you have a teapot? And yeah. I was like, I guess I don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's and, and then you realize that's kind of stupid, you know, like, because um, most people drink tea, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's something. It's an interesting point, too, because, like, I struggled with the coffee setup because in the morning I offer my guests um, bagels and fruit and um, yogurt and just kind of, you know, items to get them started on their day before they go sightseeing. And I struggled with the coffee component because there's the Keurig machines, you know, but in Seattle we're all about environmental friendliness, and so the Keurigs produced a lot of waste. And then um, I didn't really want like a drip coffee maker because most people are just making one cup of coffee. So my resolution was to offer the tea kettle and then I have packets of the Starbucks Via coffee and I just offer an assortment of like French roast and medium roast. And that's worked out really well for people because they're kind of making hot water. Maybe somebody wants tea or somebody wants a cup of coffee and then I don't have to deal with like a breaking machine as well. So that's been another little kind of tip and trick that I picked up along the way. Cool. So now you've been on since April 2013, if I, if I remember that correctly, mm-hmm. and you've been meeting all these cool people. But if you had to boil it down to one really cool feature or aspect of Airbnb, what's the one thing that it's, it, it's severely impacted your life in a positive way? I think the one thing has just been the people slash community component because now I'm starting to meet more hosts, Um, you know, like Jasper, we've met on Twitter and uh, locally I'm meeting more of my Seattle hosts. So I think it's, it's cool that you can take an online model and, you know, like a marketplace, a home sharing website like Airbnb that's online and then you're bringing it to the more of the in-person connection. So I've enjoyed making those in-person connections, you know, abroad as well as in Seattle 
battle with other hosts. So I think that's just been the number one thing for me. That's really cool. I mean, that's sweet of you to include Jasper on that list. This <laughs> is obviously nonsense. <laughs> Funny, we, we met on Twitter. That sounds so romantic. Oh, we met on Twitter. That's how everybody's <laughs> eating these days, right? But, you know, it's like, yeah, we have, we have this thing called the internet. And so we can either use it to make connections or make virtual connections or Airbnb allows us to make the in-person connections, which just kind of goes to that extra level. And that's been just priceless for me because that's what I want. I don't want to just IM or text people. Like, I want to share a glass of wine with them. So Airbnb has facilitated that for us. So, so Rochelle, you're running out of two rooms and you know you told us about how you really enjoyed your hosting experience but in the end you're also making a little bit of side income here yeah um i do you use that to cover your mortgage or to travel or how how has it impacted your sort of financial life yeah it's 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 had certainly obviously a positive impact but i think um it definitely it pays all of the bills. It pays the monthly expenditure of the output of the house, which I wasn't quite expecting. Um, so I kind of, I basically live, you know, rent free slash utility free. So it does, it's freed me up in a way that I just wrote a book, you know, because I do have more free time on my, um, my hands now that I'm not slaving away at a nine to five job. So I think that's been a, certainly a perk that the income that comes in, not only am I meeting wonderful people, but the financial benefit has allowed me to kind of play creative creatively and take risks I wouldn't have taken otherwise. And that's really great to hear because I think that's one of the beautiful things about Airbnb. Not only does it you know, create an opportunity for you to meet people from all around the world and also you know, help with the financial stuff, it also creates the freedom for people to pursue their dreams and, you know, and, and work with their passions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's really great to hear. And, you know, I personally have been able to travel for over two years just on the money I was making from Airbnb. So it's really cool to see how, you know, Airbnb was able to really change lives. Mm-hmm. I I fully concur. I agree. I'm going to be taking off myself probably in the fall and doing a little bit more travel like that. And Airbnb has, you know, in part facilitated that. And I can also, what's great about the site is you can turn it on or off, you know, according to your own travel needs. So I think the community kind of attracts that type of personality too. It's like some of the hosts are travelers themselves. So, you know, it's like we, we are kind of running with the same bull there, you know, where we, we are travelers ourselves and we're in and of the world. And yeah, I just, I love that about the marketplace of Airbnb. And when you take this trip, are you going to have somebody actually interact with the guests or are you just going to sort of manage it remotely, let them key themselves in? I, I've been tossing that back and forth. Um, when I went to Europe last December, I already had people on the books. I had a couple scheduled because December is kind of the, the off season in Seattle, you know, the, with the weather and things like it wasn't as busy. So I only had one guest scheduled. So I told them like, Hey, I'm deciding to leave town. I'm going to Europe for 11 days. Go ahead, key your way in, make yourselves at home. So they did that. But then now that I'm contemplating this upcoming travel, I've, I've contacted a couple um, people that I know. I know a freelancer who's going to help me out and she's going to run, you know, just the day to day, like the cleaning and the turnover, as well as when you do make those local host connections, I have another host that's kind of going to be as backup as well. So I think that's another benefit of when you're connecting with other hosts, you can say, Hey, if you yourself want to go off and travel, I'll run your listing for you or you scratch, you know, my back, I'll scratch yours. Cool. 
if you had to estimate, how many hours would you say per week do you spend running your listings? Um, on a, oh, that's tough. On high season. We told uh, you we would be asking hard questions. <laughs> I know, I know. I said, go ahead. Uh, are you guys there? Can you hear me? Okay. We can hear you. Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> so yeah, the, um, I would say probably with cleaning and answering emails and communication, I would say maybe five hours a week. Okay. Not a lot. You know, like I, it takes me at least a half hour to clean every room, sometimes an hour if I'm really getting in there. So, um, but then, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of turnover per week. So, and then emails are just not super lengthy, but you know, I'm happy to go into depth with people and, and write longer messages if they need a little bit more hand holding about transportation or, you know, just kind of to calm their nerves a little bit. So some of those emails can get a little long. Cool. All right. So you mentioned your book very briefly. Why don't you tell us a little bit, give us your quick summation of what it's about and why you wrote it. Okay. Uh, so it's called Letting People In, and it's available on Amazon.com. It's a Kindle book right now. And it's my first year of hosting from April 2013 to April 2014. And... I offer just kind of that backstory of some of the fears I had um, about going into hosting, as well as I do offer tips like the key code box or, um, you know, kind of where to buy your sheets or how to stash your booze away so people don't drink it. And then um, I do offer little vignettes about some of my travelers I had. I've changed the names and the countries if they weren't necessarily relevant to the story. But so I am kind of giving people insight into my guests as well as kind of my thought process of the my first year. So it was an exciting first year and it kind of, I, it was stories that people were asking me while I was experiencing it. You know, my friends were like, who's in the house now? You know, so I would share little Facebook stories and then those became so popular. I'm like, hmm, maybe there's interest here and maybe other people want to learn about Airbnb as well as like learn about other travelers and other people. So the story just kind of chronicles that first year. That's really cool. Full of wacky and fun shenanigans. I'm sure the story of how you became the beverage queen is in there as well. So we'll be it sure is. To, yeah, so we'll be sure to check that out. <laughs> okay, Rochelle, thank you so much for being a guest. We really enjoyed having you and we'll definitely check out your book. Can't wait. Uh, it's letting people in. Is that right? Correct. Yes, letting, it's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Letting okay. people in, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under Type A Seattle, and you can find me on Facebook under Rochelle Short Author. There you go. There is the plug. There is the contact info for Rochelle. Guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Again, all of this info can be found uh, in our show notes at www.getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you want more information on how to be an awesome host and how to make money via Airbnb, you can check out the first three chapters of our book for free at www.getpaidforyourpad.com. Also, on August 26th, we are launching our book on Amazon Kindle on August 26th. And if you get on there on the 26th, you can actually get a copy of our book for free. So with that, we are wrapping another successful show. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next time. And again, episodes are out every Monday and Thursday. See you next time. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.